I say let's give them a hand. They've done a great job this morning. And I think the lay ministers and you, the congregation, have done a tremendous job this morning in conducting your service, of which I am your guest, and uh, was told just preach, just preach. That's dangerous because it's been several months since I preached, and they've got a lot to say, so get ready. <laughs> Not really. Well, it's good to be here and, and to see all of you, and I, I know you'll understand when I ask for your help because for some reason I'm fighting a lot of allergies this weekend, and I hear the evidence of the same among you as well. So if there are blank spots in what you hear, it's a technical, physical, technical issue, not memory. <laughs> but my wife, who's sitting here in the first row with cue cards, might know differently. <laughs> she knows this sermon better than I do because uh, she listens. and. Uh, Sometimes when we preach, we don't really hear what we're saying or the hidden mess messages. I want to begin by saying that uh, Friday evening and all day yesterday, your Stephen ministers, of which I'm one, met in a retreat at their homes to uh, just take a measure of what they've been doing for the past year and planning some, some exercises for their greater spiritual growth in the coming time. And it was a marvelous Great time of fellowship and laughing, a lot of laughing. These are funny people. And if you have a chance to be a, uh, on the receiving end of their care, you're going to have, have some laughs. And laughter, the Bible says, helps mend a broken heart. So keep that in mind. When I looked at, when Pastor asked me to fill in for him today, and that's all I'm doing, is, uh, I took a look at the gospel and I said, oh, well, this is what some people do when they got a text. It's really law and gospel, and it's neither law and it's neither gospel. But it's a story from the Bible, a parable Jesus told. And when I was a kid, my brother and I, we received as a Christmas gift a, a gift called the Viewmaster. And I don't know if you know what that was. It's still around, I think. It's a, a slide projector that you hold in your hands with tiny little, uh, you know, slides tied, you know, built into the disc. Yeah, that's what it is, it's a disc. It'd be the first uh, on uh, runner of a uh, video disc that uh, illustrated the parable. And so you had the rich man who was in his finery and he was very big and a lot of camels around and you know, symbols of his wealth. And then in the next, next uh, slide, you had poor Lazarus, who's just an emaciated man, dirty and greasy and grimy, and his robes are filthy, and the dogs are, you know, licking his wounds. And, uh, and that's not bad for dogs. Dogs are healers, you know. So you got to, that, that memory has stayed with me all these years. So when I saw this text, I said, well, it's a great, there's a lot of lessons in this parable but I don't think I want to try to take them on. Because what I also saw in this parable was that it was also a message from Jesus to all of us that uh, all of us at times are that rich merchant and all of us at times feel like we're Lazarus. All of us at times we think, well, we're, you know, we're doing good. Doing good, Christian life's really doing good things for me. 
and the other times when you're out of work and you're sick and facing significant disease, you're thinking, yes, not so good anymore. No one can help me. Medicine can't help, and, and my family is frustrated, and things are just not very good. And I remembered, well, there is one, one scripture I use basically with each person I see where I work at the hospital. And it's a, it's a scripture that has a lot of healing in it and a lot of compassion. And just about everybody in the world knows it. So I thought I'd preach on that today in terms of its healing qualities and how it helps keep us in line and in focus in our relationship with, with Christ. So as I said, in the parable, there are two images available to us. We can take on the image of the rich man and his no cost is no problem type of living. Or we can take on the image of Lazarus who hasn't got anything to lose either because he has nothing. But our lives sometimes go back and forth between Lazarus and the rich man. And you might think some days that uh, your that your uh, spiritual life is headed towards hell or you may think it's coming out from hell into heaven. We go, we go that way emotionally and spiritually in how we relate with the Lord. But I look on Psalm 23 as a wonderful source of healing and renewal because that's what God is doing with us. He's renewing us day by day, reshaping us to be his image, to be in his image. So we can relate to Psalm 23 and it's not just you know several verses that are repeated with not much thought, but there's a lot of gospel in them, a lot of healing in those words. So let's read Psalm 23 together so we're all talking about the same thing. It's either going to be on the screen behind me or it's in the very front of your hymnal, or you probably know it by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now as you spoke those words, what kind of think about the images that went through your brain right then? How do you visualize all those wonderful words? Because you've probably recited Psalm 23 you know, too many times to try to count. And when I know that I'm going to read one to a person or recite one for some reason, I encourage the listeners to think of Psalm 23 and their journey through life. Because I think in concise form, it describes our needs and their fulfillment of all stages of our life. From infants like the young child who was baptized this morning and probably scared to death what's going on, I don't know, but we all heard their opinion. And we all, we all smiled and said, yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. That's just the start. 
from infancy into adulthood and then into advanced stages of uh, aging, of which I'm a part of that. I can appreciate uh, what my ancestors went through. As well as then finally into eternity, where some days you just want to, you want to make the big leap and you want to go, go now. Well, Psalm 23 helps us walk that journey, to, to live out the journey of walking through our life into God's presence. And so I think of it as a roadmap of sorts. You know, the old kind that used to fold up, and once you unfolded them, you never got them back together again in the glove box, that's for sure. So somebody else took charge of that. But the Psalm 23, you can carry around in your head, and it's a roadmap that gets us out in a journey, and then will also bring us back to the correct route when we make the wrong turns and get lost, which, you know, if you know anything about me, I do frequently. So for the next few moments, I invite you to see and understand how Psalm 23 relates to your life. You make it personal. And I invite you to consider Psalm 23 to be the travel brochure that tells you where your journey begins, shows you the route that you're taking, shows you some of the places of interest along the way, gives you some warnings about places to not go, and gives you a timeline for getting to your destination. Just consider Psalm 23 as a road, road map for your life. Now, every map has a beginning and has an end. Well, where does our roadmap begin? Certainly, it's not a device or creation of AAA or Rand McMally maps or the GPS system in your head or your truck or your car, wherever it's at. <clears throat> the creator of this travel information is Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd himself. The Lord is my shepherd. Think of those five words. If that's all you knew about Psalm 23, that would be enough. Because in those five words are packed all the experiences and all the expectations and all the results that are going to pay off when you follow Jesus in his road leading us to heaven. And it's important to know who he is and his voice and the sound of his voice because following anyone else's direction means you're going to wander off into danger. In fact, that was one of the lyrics in the song the, the, the singer sang this morning. Anyone else's direction is going to be wrong and put you in the wrong detours. And you're going to end up being in maybe some dangerous places and lost with no hope of finding your way back on, all on your own. It's like me getting kind of half lost the other night up by Tramway Road and all of those cul-de-sacs they've got. We can rest secure that the Good Shepherd knows where he's going because he's already made the trip hundreds of times, thousands of times. Before the beginning of time, he made the trip. He knows who is calling us to follow an imposter. So he knows all the wrong voices out there, all the wrong directions that are being given. And the, that imposter is no one less than Satan who, who uh, confronted Jesus in his 40-day temptation trial to throw him off course, but it failed. So he goes after us because we're real vulnerable, gullible to a fault. So Satan may offer us other side trips that never get finished. For instance, he may offer you as, instead of Jesus as the leader for a while, say, well, follow me, I'll give you all the wealth you want or I'll give you all the power you want, or the influence you want, or the social standing, or your standing 
in, in your political world, if that's what's relevant at this time. And this imposter, this fraud, this Satan is calling out to you, hoping you will follow his journey. He's taking you into hell, but there's no way of coming back all by yourself. You just can't do it. For instance, follow the money route, and we've seen this going, I won't mention names, people going from multimillionaire status to probably poverty status soon. Follow the money route, it will leave you broke. Follow his power route, he will leave you weak with no strength. Follow his leadership and social standing, that route, and it will leave you friendless. Follow your own abilities and rely on your talents and best decisions. You know, it's the, I can do it all my way. And it will lead to losing it all instead of getting it all. But over the voice of his enticements, Jesus, the good shepherd, calls out to us, come follow me, I will give you rest. And it's a real paradox because I want you to take this load I have prepared for you, just for you. We're gonna call it your cross and follow me and I will give you rest. You won't even feel the weight of it when it's all over. So the, the words, the Lord is my shepherd, are important and it's everything. It includes everything to me. He, he has everything I need to make this journey. Even things I've left behind or forgotten about or didn't know I'd need. And he will lead me safely and he'll lead you safely home to be with him forever. But you have to hear his call because his call is the voice to follow. Jesus, the good shepherd, will provide all that we need to follow from infancy to advanced ages. We all of us have wants. I'll pick on that infant again and say that infant has needs and wants. And we as parents know the ones that need to be met. We can be easily distracted. Our focus can move to the next shiny thing that shows up in our, heart, in our life or in our hearts or in, in whoever we are at the time. It's a new shiny thing and you know how new shiny things go. We see them and boy, I can't wait to get on QVC to buy a couple of those. Yeah, then we buy them and they arrive and they're not as shiny as they were on TV. And so we use it for a while and it doesn't quite work as well as we thought it would on TV. So where do we put it? Well, we put it in the garage on the shelf to accumulate until we get them all off the shelf and sell them in a, gar in a garage sale. Well, the Good Shepherd is the creator of all things seen and unseen, and he creates just the things he knows we need to have in our lives to stay close to him. And so in baptism, he goes to the trouble of uniting us to himself while he's dying on a cross, suffering as if he didn't have enough on his mind. He goes and unites us with that suffering. He leads us to places of rest. And from his word, as he speaks to us, his word in the scriptures and in our hearts from memory, he transforms our mind to be more and more like his in our thinking. Jesus, a good shepherd, restores our soul. And in our retreat, we talked a long time about what, that's, what does that mean? What does it mean to restore your soul? Well, I'm a wannabe car restorer. I've got cars that, uh, well, they're too far gone to be restored, but I really appreciate the talent and the, and the uh, skills of the men and the women who take old beat up cars, just maybe out of the junk pile, 
and turned them into things of beauty and restoration. And they've gone down to the frames, or even more than that, they've taken the frames apart and they've reassembled that car and they've reassembled it, his powertrain and all of that, made it to something that anybody would love to have it, sitting in their garage. And then, you know, into the garage and then out of the garage and down the street. The Good Shepherd, Jesus, dresses our wounds that, we are, that are inflicted upon us because life is tough. And in this life, this life of time, there are things that hurt us. And to think and be more like Christ means rely on him to heal our wounds. And he does that with the promises in his word. He says it will be worth it all when we get there. You'll wonder what all the fuss was about, or you won't even remember the fuss. But along the way, as we look at the, you know, the attractions that we pass up following Jesus, and we see Satan's enticements, it gives us a glimpse of Satan, uh, St. John's vision, tremendous, beautiful vision. His vision of a new Jerusalem. The old world has passed away and the heavens have passed away. And John looks and he sees coming down to heaven is a new Jerusalem with Jesus leading millions and millions of people. That's, that's the image to follow. Jesus, our good shepherd leads us on the paths of righteousness. We talked a long time about paths of righteousness. What does that mean? It means keeping your line of your life, the focus of your life, focused on Christ. You'll never stray from the path he set up before you. Well, the problem is, it comes a decision time in our journey with Jesus. Because you see, the path of righteousness for Jesus leads to a cross where he will pay the full price for sin. And it's an amount that's too large for us to calculate. It's an amount that only he can be paid by his death. But you know what's great is even though there's such sadness on Good Friday when Jesus died, he did not abandon his mother and his disciples there in Calvary on the cross, not at all. And he didn't abandon them by just escaping from the tomb on that Sunday morning and taking off down the road and said, boy, it's great to be alive again. No, he stayed by that cross. He stood by that tomb. And he told us what happened. He said, God the Father raised me from the dead just like I told you time and time again. Not only that, God raised him from the dead so that he would never die again. And not only that, God raised him from the dead so that everyone who believes that God raised him from the dead has eternal life. So when we look at the sin in our life that's demanding payment, Jesus comes up to us and says, don't worry about it. I'm gonna walk you through this valley of shadow of death that's got you really freaked out. I'm gonna keep you free, I'm gonna protect you from Satan's assault that he's going to try to make upon you. I'm gonna walk you through your life it whole, your whole life may be shadowy and very fragile. It happens that way. It may be that way, but I'm going to lead you out of that darkness into God's, the glorious light of the presence of God. So you have no reason to fear. I am with you. I am with you. Well, how do we prepare and pack for this journey? Psalm 23 sets out before us. The preparation is simple. Simply believe Jesus, the good shepherd's invitation to join him. Preparation is simply to believe the invitation. And by faith, join Jesus in his travel and meet him 
Meet him at the nearest green meadow or still water pool in your life. Now that comes to a real interesting question. What exactly and where exactly do we find these meadows and these pools? Well, they're everywhere Jesus is. If you've heard the you know, children's series, Robin, which you were, you know, C.S. Lewis, Lewis's uh, seven-part series on children walking through life, you'll find that, and I just lost my thought, that everywhere these kids went, winter disappeared and spring appeared. Well, it's kind of that way with Jesus. Every time Jesus leads us out and we follow him, the cold realities of life become redeemed and there's redemption. How do we pray for? Prepare for this? Believe it? Sounds too easy to be true, and that's why some people reject it. You'll find the meadows then and the still water pines where you're refreshed by Christ are healing waters. But you can also be having a place of prayer that your meadow, a place of prayer that your, actually your, your pool of still, of still water. You can have a routine you go through when you pray. I had an aunt who was a real devout believer in Texas, and she had a prayer routine for her children, her family, her nieces and nephews, which included me and my family. And she did that. I got to say, her, say goodbye to her on her deathbed. For me, though, the place where I meet Jesus in a meadow is when I wake up to get up in the morning. And I wasn't sure I was going to share this with you, but maybe you have a similar experience. But I wake up, and before I get, even get out of bed or try, I'm depressed already. And I'm scared sometimes already, and I'm afraid of what I have to do today. My mind gets flooded with doubts and fears with irrational solutions to irrelevant, irrelevant problems. But when I'm up, I've prayed long enough in bed that I've already given all of these worries to Christ. He's already got them. And then I find I usually have a gospel song in mind or a contemporary hymn or a traditional hymn in mind that just starts playing in my head. And you're going to hear one of those at the end of this message if I ever get to it. Worries, you see, and as far as I'm concerned, worries cannot withstand the power of the gospel when it's set to music. But to close out here, Psalm 23 is a travel brochure that makes no distinction between traveling by yourself or as a group. The result is the same. Jesus invites us individually and personally. He doesn't go to a mass rally and say, now, believe in me. He greets people and invites us in to follow him one by one. The result is that even though we can't see with our eyes what is happening here, but in, in eternity, people are continually pouring in praising God as they come into a relationship with him one by one. So right now, for the next few minutes, I ask you to take the time to meet Jesus in the green meadow he has for you or at the still water pool where he refreshes you I invite you to enjoy the restoration of your soul, even if we think it doesn't need work. Your soul has really taken a lot of hits, and 
Satan has a lot of assaults planned in order to kill it. But Jesus won't let it die. So what I want you to do is you hear the words of the song that's going to be played for you. Re simply recall all the things God has done for you. And I will help you recall them and with a lot of help from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Because several years ago, they recorded a song called So You Would Know. And the lyrics are really a message from God to his people to remind them of all the things God, what he's done for them. So the lyrics are repetitive and familiar. I'm just getting you ready for what you're going to hear. And you may experience some emotion, but simply imagine God is talking to you. And that image that I talked about when I started this little talk, paint that image in your mind, in your brain, and carry it with you for a while. So here's a song so you would know.